Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I got to spend time with this higher power. This, this. I had time to process what happened to me, and I felt like, I felt like when I woke up in my spiritual awakening, like, that I, I had received like just love and compassion, no matter, no matter what I had just fucking went through, yeah. which was like, I felt forgiven. I felt, I felt a weight lifted up off of me. I felt like that was all in the past. That was done. None of that was with me anymore. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma, to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Your host, Jason, here. I am an addiction recovery and mental health advocate. I want to knock out the shame and stigma surrounding those that are in need of help to speak up and use their adversities to inspire others to do the same. My guest, Jersey Mike Faria. Mike and I have been trying to connect for a long time. Mike struggled with alcoholism much like myself and some very parallel stories. But Mike's alcoholism took him to the depths of despair and actually put him in a coma for three weeks. I know you're going to find so much value out of Mike's story when he shares the challenges of childhood not having a present male figure and rebelling in his youth, as well as what he's doing now and inspiring others through the recovery process. Now as a single father, Mike is building a life for himself and his kids and finding his purpose. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with a purpose? 5150 LTM. I have my new 5150 hat on. Also recently, I picked up some other swag from the 5150 store. This time of year, I like to throw on some comfortable joggers and I like to throw on a comfortable long sleeve as well. Not only do I like the 5150 style, but like I said, it's a brand with a purpose. And as always, you, the listeners and viewers of Knocking Doors Down, use the code KDD20 at checkout at the 5150 store and get 20% off your purchase. Here's Jersey Mike Faria. Jersey Mike, what's going on, bro? What's good, brother? How's everything? Good. It's only been like, what, seven, eight, nine months in the works to get this conversation going. Yeah, man. Yeah, back and forth, both of us fucking busy running around. And it's like when the energy was there, we were like ready and then some shit. And then, yeah. you know, 
that's how it is though life gets in our way especially when we're building one man uh i gotta share the joke we had before we got on this is you got the uh, very cool dare shirt on and of course dare to keep kids off drugs and we were joking about how it probably didn't help and maybe even the opposite yeah man i think so if i if i remember back in 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 that program and and me and my cousins it was like uh it was, it was, it was kind of like a little bit of a joke, man, especially when we got to like 13, 14 years old, it was like a little bit the center of attention and like the easy thing to go to, to break the rules, like fucking dares everywhere. Why not? Let's right. go fucking fuck around, you know? <laughs> yeah. When we're at our stu- most stupid, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, hell. Well, Mike, you know, we're going to get in all over the place with some stuff, but, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your backstory. You just mentioned there getting in trouble with some some cousins and stuff like that. Um, but like, what was uh, what was childhood like for you? I mean, where where was the disconnect? Did you feel the uh, like so many of us that like an outsider from the early age? Um, I did, man. I I, I my my disconnect, I guess, was you know. I didn't have a, a very strong male figure to to really kind of you know how to teach me how to do shit right. You know, my my dad was around, but he was just a, a very hard worker. He was never home. And back in back in those days, like that that lifestyle, he'd get out of work and go drinking. You know, it was like that. That was the deal back then. It was very normal, fucking thing. And um my disconnect was like rebelling against that. You know, I, 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 I guess I sought out for, uh, this creation of this tough ego to kind of keep me safe, you know, keep me, keep me secure. Um, and in doing that, you know, I, I, I'm a very all in person and I went all in and then, you know, comes all the, the, the shit, man, you know, the, the it, the big disconnect was learning learning to cope at such a young age, rebelling and 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 fucking using drugs and shit and alcohol, you know all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, what what point did uh, like substances sub because I can talk right now? Shit, did substances enter your life? Um, I want to say, man, like to to up into eighth grade, I was uh, I was in a Catholic school went to public school in eighth grade. And when I got to that public school, I was like, die hard fucking dare. You know, I I keep the fucking joints away from me, man. You guys are fucked up. Why are you smoking pot and shit? And um, I look, I I guess I I was scared of it. You know, I, in Catholic school, they instilled so much shit in in us. And um, towards the end of eighth grade was a, was a party. And I drank my number. It was my second time drinking, but I it was like my first time that I was drunk and enjoying myself. And I smoked at that party. And after after smoking at that party, I felt like I had such a good time socially. I had released like this fucking inner fucking fire inside of me that I had going on for so long. It felt so good to release in that way that um I'd say like around yeah, 13 was when I started smoking weed, drinking, 
and um, was living in Florida. So in Florida, it's like you jump right away to cocaine pretty fast. It's like uh, it, it, that's how it was. Like freshman year, freshman year, that's what we were um, kind of rocking out. Alcohol was was a part of that too, but um, was a lot of coke in in high school towards early high school. And um, yeah, right at that age, man, young. Wow, wow, yeah, I could relate to what you're saying. Was that? That fear, and I hadn't thought about this, but being in eighth grade, when I went from private school, seventh grade, eighth grade, public school, and before a basketball game, we go back to a teammate's house, and he cracks open a beer. His parents aren't there, and there's like six of us, and I'm the only one that's like, no, and didn't take a sip because even though my parents weren't talking that my dad was an addict, inside I could feel it, you know? And so my fear, my, my fear took me all the way till about 2021, 20, 22. So, but nice. man, damn cocaine and freshman year. Yeah. Florida was just, so this was what, uh, late nineties. Uh, this, uh, yeah. This is like 90, 98. Okay. 98, you know, um, 97, 98. And it was just, it was just the thing out there, man. It was, I went through heavy cocaine addiction freshman year, sophomore year. It was like me, me and my buddies started uh, stealing. You know, um, I went to a Catholic school in Daytona. My mom pulled me out of, she had me in Catholic school, put me in public school. I started fucking around. She put me back in it. Um, <laughs> sophomore year, like, please, God, what would I do? And it, it was even worse because in that, in that Catholic school, it was a lot of rich kids. And... Mm. You know, the difference of um, public school and, you know, uh, Catholic school, especially with the with the, the kids that had a lot of money there was like everybody was doing coke or everybody had money. And it, it was an addiction that sophomore year because me, me and my buddy, we go around to these different lockers. It used to be an old hotel um, and they made it into a school. So all the classrooms are basically like a hotel, there's steps and a little like uh uh, stairway upstairs and then just a door it's like it would be a hotel room but it's a it's a classroom and at lunchtime we'd go around to all the different lockers all the kids would have their locker uh, backpacks out there and we'd go around to all the backpacks pick up a backpack go into the bathroom fucking go through it take whatever we could get bring the backpack back over grab the next one rotation do that over and over and over again and that's how we fucking rocked out our addiction for a long time the Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Yeah, so you were already scheming and planning and had <laughs> had your uh, way to survive. And like you yeah, said, sure. really protect that that little kid that didn't have that that male guidance. Yeah, because I felt very masculine in doing all that shit. 
Sure. You know, I, I felt, I felt strong. I felt powerful. I felt in control. I felt, I felt secure, but, and I, and I wasn't reaping the, 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 I wasn't reaping all the fucking the repercussions of, of the substance abuse. You know, my, my, my brain was so fresh and young. It was just like, um, all new, you know, like taking it all in like sensory overload. Um, but I knew when we were going through backpacks and, and all that shit and, uh, stealing to that point it, that it, that the shit was becoming, becoming a problem, you know, like, what the fuck are we doing here, man? We we ended up getting caught. I got caught one day, um, and we were stealing from a fucking buddy, uh, a buddy of my buddies. We did, I didn't even know it was just you go to whatever backpacks. It's fucking football, dude. He, he, my buddy was on the football team that we'd steal with. This other guy comes out, sees us doing it, goes crazy. Me and him get into a thing, and you know we got I got I got suspended. Um, this is a, a, like a. <laughs> quick little fucking uh thing I, I get i get suspended and this is back in the 90s i go home and i'm all upset and i get online and me and this kid are talking shit back and forth and i fucking tell him uh yo dude you know we're, we're going back and forth he's calling me names i'm like next when i see you i'm gonna fucking kill you bro and, you know he prints this thing out and takes it to the school the next day and the fucking this is right after col like right around columbine time and fucking the, the, the goddamn SWAT team shows up at my goddamn house. Wow. Fucking <laughs> right, going through a bunch of shit. And I was like, man, that wasn't serious. You know, and, and yeah. my, I moved to New Jersey. My mom was so embarrassed. She's like, we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> so where, where were you born then? Because you ended up in Daytona, then to Jersey. But where were you born? I, I was born in Jersey and, and lived in Jersey till seventh grade. And then... um uh, my parents were having issues and we moved to Florida, lived there for the couple of years and got in so much trouble. Um, and we came back, came back to Jersey. Well, did you have a lot of family there? Uh, no, we had no family in Florida. Just, uh, my dad had bought a house there a long time ago when, when I was younger and when they had issues, like we just utilized the house, went over there. Gotcha. So you come back to Jersey, uh, <laughs> I've been there. I went there in the late nineties. Good, good place to stay out of trouble. Uh, fucking Jersey. It's a, it's a, you know, most densely populated state. It's a mess over here too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend, he lived in Patterson, New Jersey. And it was uh, funny because he's like, yeah, there's more uh, dead people here than alive because I guess it's where the cemeteries are or something, but yeah. So you jump back. What's this like your uh, junior year? Uh, yeah. And the sophomore year going into junior year, I get back to Jersey. And, uh, how did things go from there? Are we still kind of, you know, did you, did you get cleaned up for a little bit or? Nah, I got, I got back in, um, you know, kept partying. Um, you know, obviously through all of this, <clears throat> I'm going to school, you know, and, and I'm, I was doing good in school. I was, <clears throat> I was in all not all, there was maybe one or two. I was in a majority of a lot of AP classes and I did well in school because if I didn't do good in school, my mom wasn't going to let me go out and party. So it's like right. I started to learn how to almost be a functioning addict in, in, in my teenage years because I, I needed to learn to sustain this lifestyle at school and, and produce and, and be responsible and then also, you know, go fucking crazy when I had my free time. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I just continued experimenting, man, and 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 trying other shit. You know, I, I, everything up, you know, around the sun except heroin. That wasn't something that um, I could ever do, and like needles and stuff. But um, just party mode, you know. That's that's how I was through through high school. Yeah. And I find it it's funny you mentioned the needle thing. Isn't it ironic as two dudes with a good amount of tattoos? We both hate needles. Like, you know, yeah, I've had yeah, people ask yeah. me like, you know, cause I've talked about that, you know, I've different pills and things like that, but uh, you know, blow and things, but I was like, for whatever reason, this brain, the only thing that really went, I want more of that is alcohol. And, uh, you know, somebody was like, oh, you, were you ever presented heroin? Yeah, to snort it, uh, but I never did. But, you know, I said, uh, no, I'm good. And but shooting anything, man, that scared the idea that scared the shit out of me. Like, 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 me too. like, I don't have a problem because I'm not injecting anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, that's with 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 the with the needles and the tattoos. I enjoy the pain of that. The injection part of something entering my vein scares the fuck out of me, especially uh, a drug like I nah, it's just I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, and, and I knew this about you. I could tell from from kind of getting to know you a very intelligent person, like you said, doing really good, mostly AP classes. And, and from the outside, I'm sure for most it looked really good. But, you know, hey, high school comes to an end. Where do we go from there? From there, I tried college out for a little bit. That wasn't that wasn't uh, something that lasted long. I my my focus went to 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 try to work with music. I I, I learned how to produce music and had fun with that just for a little bit. But that's when alcohol started to get real big. Like um, right around that time. Um, a little bit later, I'd say in four or five years later, man, it, it was a, a heavy hit that I took. I lost a cousin of mine. And throughout that time, it, it, it went from high school party mode and this, this like really, really fun life that I wasn't dealing with much, many consequences from. And then out of high school, entering this adulthood that I'm not, I don't know how to manage shit. And I don't know um, how to really be responsible with my emotions. Even my emotions were all over the fucking place. And I was just a, a fucking mess. But this was the first time that instead of the party mode, now I'm like drinking because I'm mad. I'm drinking because I'm upset. And I'm drinking because I'm frustrated. Life isn't working for me. Um, I got to fucking figure out shit. I'm an adult now. All the, all like every, all this like shit that was just, I really wasn't um, prepared for. I was so focused on myself and good times through, through high school. I didn't really give a shit about any of that stuff. And when I, when I lost uh, my cousin, but even before that, that's when like, I just got so accustomed to alcohol being my go-to. That was my go-to. Like I'm mad, go drink. I'm upset, go drink. I'm happy, go drink. I'm celebrating every every fucking emotion was was a nice reason to to drink. And if I wasn't, it, it was because I was trying to be responsible like I was when I was a teenager and my responsibilities and separate both times so I can you know be successful in some way. 
Boy, does that sound familiar, right? <laughs> that girl <laughs> split up with you. Oh, let's go have a drink. Let's go drink it off. Hey, I met a new girl. Cool. Bring her out to the bar. You know, it's like whatever it was, right. it was always that thing, you know, man, I can, I can relate. Hey, it's lunchtime. Let's go have a drink. I mean, shit, yeah. it got to that point, you know, it's like, damn crazy. Yeah. So the booze is, is the flowing thing. And I, and I totally know what you, where you're at. Did you ever have a point and I hit this point, but it didn't really sink in for a while. I started to realize I was drinking because I hate myself and I hate myself because I was drinking. And it's that addict loop that just goes around and round because the only thing that would silence that self hate would be eh, another six pack at least, you know what I'm saying? Nope. I, I did. And especially, especially when, um, when I found out I had a son on the way, but I, I felt that even before, you know, beforehand, all those blacked out nights, man, just create such a darkness, you know, they create such a fucking massive amount of resentment. At least they did for me. Mm-hmm. They, they, they made me fucking hate being in my own skin, man. It was just like, I was, I was dating a failure and that failure was myself. And I let myself down every fucking day. And I was just like, you know, this, this dual personality of like judging myself and then telling that judging side to go fuck itself. When I felt like I was in this mood to go drink, you know? Yeah, no, I do all, all too well. And I can uh, relate to what you mean about when I found out my son was on the way and it wasn't, you know, I, I, I look back and go like, man, wasn't that enough to like take it serious? But the, the, the traumas were already there. There's already so much and there's so much of that self-shame, guilt, you know, the multitude of it all that just stacks on. And, and like he said earlier, you know, when you don't have coping tools to kind of, you know, extrapolate little parts and learn how to, you know, either heal or accept and move forward. You don't have a solution. You don't. And you, and you kind of just, you kind of bury it. You know, you, you have a couple of drinks, you bury it in a, in a way for me when I would drink a lot of times too, I'd be, I'd be aggressive, you know, and I fucking, I'd let out this built up shit that was in me. And then, you know, I guess feel better in a sense at the time. And then the regret seemed lighter than the other load. It was like exchanging fucking, you know, the, the regret was a little bit lighter than, um, than the shit that I was upset about or frustrated with, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) I do, man. I really do. Uh, I think that I even wrote something to myself about that recently, like, sitting there you know hacking through something um let me ask you so fatherhood enters well you know what's what's kind of the status there with with things of how i mean i know it being an addict and a parent at the same time man it's uh it's tough it's tough to uh to be there for that that baby i um i was freaking out you know i was scared i'm like am I, am I going to do this? I couldn't manage my own fucking life, you know, nonetheless, I'm like, now there's a baby coming, but in, in a way it was, was, a, it was my saving grace too. Cause 
I I took a first step in my life to to get sober at that time. And I I went to a religious retreat and it was somewhat of a failure and a success because I, I brought a bunch of alcohol there um, hidden on me. I had like fucking pints of, of vodka duct taped on my legs so I couldn't try to make it through the weekend. Um, and it didn't last. It, it, I drank everything literally by uh, the first day. So it was like a three-day deal. So I started freaking out. And, you know, I spoke with uh, a guy there that kind of just brought me to light. He got me through my withdrawal through like the, the two days there. Hmm. And it was just through a lot of talking. I, I was freaking out there, man. At one point, I went outside of the retreat and I was ready to run through the woods. We didn't know where we were. We brought like in a, a little bus where we couldn't see anything. I, I was ready to go, but he he got me through it. And after that, I stayed sober for, for about a year, man. I, my son was born and it was crazy. It was like uh, my whole life changed in that year. I got a good job. I started getting into construction, drilling, and so many good things started to happen. And then after that year, um, I felt like I, I crawled out of what I went there for. I'm like, I got this. You know, I can go have a fucking drink. And, and, and that's what I did. And, um, the, the drinking was, was always like a fucking issue at least once or twice or three fucking, it was always a fucking problem. As much as I'm, I tried to make it moderate, you know, it just was always some kind of issue in my life. It was always fucking with my relationship with, the mother of my kids, my friends, my parents, my sister, it just made life so much harder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking- I don't mean I'm not laughing. At you. I'm laughing, thinking yeah. back like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I could just almost change seats with you. It, uh, it's that, that crazy thing about it too, that we, it, we try that moderation. It's weird that the, the AA book, Dr. Bill and Bob, they, they were on something uh, of clarity because they just nail it. It's like, you know, all right, I'll switch from art alcohol to, uh, to beer. All right. Well, you know, beer is kind of, kind of the, you know, it's beer. So I'll switch to wine. Cause it's a little more classic. Well, I kind of hate wine. I'll go back to beer. You know, it's this weird f- messed up game that we play with ourselves as the addict alcoholic, like, you know, the, the moderation, there's not going to be, there's never going to be one's too many. And, and all of it's never enough. Yeah, man. It's, it's just something that I, I was always convincing myself, you know, like always trying to convince myself, like you said, even though for me, most of the part, I was always a, a, a liquor drinker. I never enjoyed the taste of alcohol. I never, I never drank because I was like, man, this is so fucking delicious. It's very rare that I, 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 I got a drink at a restaurant or something that I really enjoyed, even though I had some. But for the most part, it was always something on the rocks, you know, something mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed the heavy shit because I wanted to to uh, it, to fulfill its purpose, you know, which which wasn't just to taste good in my mouth. Um, at least for me, man, that's how, how it was with 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 alcohol and just everything, everything became so fucking 
unmanageable, I'd say, after about like seven, eight years, man. Two, 2019 is like where life just fucking smacked me, man. It just, uh, it all, it all started to uh, unfold and, you know, fucking fall apart in front of my eyes. And I just drank and watched the fucking show happen. Mm. No, I, you know? you know, and I've heard some people, I, and I can relate to uh, with the, the taste, especially, you know, the hard stuff with the alcohol is just it, my thing was, all right, I'll get through the first, you know, couple of sips. And then when the buzz kicks in like that, that part of you that goes, oh, it, it, it will go away. And, and so it was always a fight through that part. You know, it, it, for me, every time, every time with hard alcohol, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it was like, oh, OK. When I get to that point, it's like, oh, no, everything's fine now. Give me another one, you know, keep them coming. Yeah. You know, like, fuck, thinking back about like scotch. I had a friend that, you know, his thing was like scotch on the rocks, like the nastiest shit. Like if I smell it now, I almost want to puke. Like, how did I ever put this poison in my body? Anyways, yeah. um, 2019 man falls apart where are we at because did we uh did we return to some not that alcohol isn't a hard drug i hate kind of that separation of it but were you uh then once again using other drugs no the after after my son was born and i started working in in construction um i i just fucked with alcohol because we were always drug tested that was too much of a fucking risk for me. I couldn't fuck with that. So it's like society set it up for me in a way that the only release I could fuck with was alcohol, right? And and I I, I took very much advantage of that. And um, you know, um the 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 hardships that came, I guess, in, in, in 2019 were from uh, you know, years and years of uh uh of a relationship with two people that were drinking shit turned toxic, you know, and, and it came back to, to, to bite, bite us in the fucking ass. You know, like we, we were unhappy. Uh, I was unhappy with the mother of my kid. She was unhappy with me and a lot of shit just kind of led to, um, a point where I was, I was binge drinking to, to like, I never, I never ever was before, uh, it, it was it was fucking crazy man i was i was drinking a lot um because as far as work wise i was in a very successful place i had built that side of my you know my half of my life very well and the other half of my personal life i let fall apart um we let we let a lot of that shit fall apart and in our relationship because that's what, what kind of, to me, was like the ultimate heartbreak was like my fucking family falling apart. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. fuck, man. Like this was keeping me together in, 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 in even through all the shit with, with alcohol through all those years. It was like my fighting force. It was my life force. It was what, what pushed me every day. It was what my spark to live was, was my family. And when I saw that shit going down the toilet, I was like, fuck nothing nothing else really matters man and i i i couldn't cope i i couldn't talk to to anybody about it really you know it, it was it was just hard shit to deal with yeah 
what what was the breaking point for you when you were decided hey i've 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 got to get this out of my life i need help i guess when i woke up from my coma i never asked i, ne- I never i never went for help right i never i never reached out um one i don't think i wanted to stop drinking whatsoever you know i i didn't want to face that that monster at that time and two i was i was fucking embarrassed you know i was fucking embarrassed to shit about what i was uh going through more so my family falling apart than the drinking you know the embarrassment of that and and feeling like a failure and um that's that that was like it just it, it when when things got to a point that me and the mother and my kids were split up and still living together and just couldn't fucking figure out a peaceful separation and i felt like i was a i felt like i was a prisoner in my own fucking house i felt fucking all kinds of crazy shit that was going on that i I felt like I was losing my mind, man. You know, I, 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 I really felt like I was losing it. And the only thing that would kind of stop and let me slow down and, and kind of feel okay, I guess was, was, uh, was drinking, yeah. but it, it, it got to a point at that time with that kind of binge drinking <clears throat> that, uh, it was like never before I started to break out in different things in my body, like these massive welts and hives and shit and um, vomiting all kinds of like foam and throwing up fucking black coffee grounds and, and just weird shit. You don't see your body do not normal shit. And uh, I kept, I kept fucking drinking, kept fucking uh, going going hard with that shit and uh took off work i took all i I got i got out of work while i was having i guess this was like somewhat of a mental breakdown i guess you know with that with everything else it's it's it, it it wasn't just the alcohol the alcohol was like my pillow you know and i i while i was off and drinking all day long um, and sleeping most of the day too. I was comatose a lot. I, I fucking woke up one morning and big yellow eyes, you know, big bird yellow eyes. And, and I was fucking enormous, man. I was like, I was sick. I looked sick. I looked like I was fucking dying, you know? Yeah. I know you don't know that part, but <laughs> no, I, I know what you're talking about. I have seen it and, and, and known people that have gone through it. And unfortunately some that didn't get on the other side for me, like near the end, I've, I've gone back and looked at photos where it's like, people might think like, Oh, no big deal. But if I look like my head got bloated, like my face got really, really bloated. Um, you know, I was skinny everywhere else, but with my gut, like, you know, and, and it got, hard so it was the you know the hardening of the liver starting and all this shit and you know i uh 
Yeah, it's crazy to look back because some of the photos, I'm like, boy, I did a good job of lying that I was happy. Like I'm, you know, in photos with like famous people, musicians and athletes and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was so miserable, but I wasn't going to let anyone know. I didn't want to burden anyone was how it was for me. I'm not going to burden anyone with my problems. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Do you, do you ever think back to that time? Because I do like looking in, when I look at myself back then, like, how the fuck like you just kind of said it like how the fuck were we kind of able to look at ourselves and be like nothing's wrong yeah like everything's okay (laughs) you know i mean if you are a person that qualifies uh classifies addiction as a disease i mean it makes perfect sense to me it's like like how ill could we be you know i i mean it's like the big book promise you will be restored to sanity it, it It is an illness. I was in I, like where you're talking about the prisoner in your own home. I got the chills. I knew exactly what you were talking about. For me at the, the end, prior to my divorce, I was sleeping on a hard floor on a fucking yoga mat. And every night the method was to make myself pass out. And the only way I could do that was if I got enough in me. And so I got pretty good about hiding the beer. I wasn't sharing any of this shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you know, you're a prisoner in your own home, but yet you want the home to be something different. Like I didn't picture parenthood and marriage to be something where I just felt like shitty about it at all, but I did. Very well said, man. Holy shit. You went through it. You went through it too then. So yeah. Yeah. it's not, it's not easy, man. It's not, it's not easy being in, in, in that position for anybody, you know? And <clears throat> I felt like I carried the guilt, the guilt in that too. You know, it, it, I, I, I felt like in, in my head, I felt just guilty. I had this fucking, this, I hated myself, man. I was like, I just, I felt like a failure. I felt like I, I fucked it, everything up. Like I let everybody down. I fucked everything up. And it was, it was just hard to, to, to kind of be inside of my body at that time. You know, it was, it was just, it, it was difficult. And when, when I was drinking at that point, and and while throwing up all this black shit, not fucking eating, not going to the bathroom for weeks, I I I drink till my thoughts would like slow down, and I wouldn't feel bad about what was going on, and just sit and peacefully fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't. That's that's literally what I just put had on repeat. Over and over and over and over and over. 
Well, mind you, like while this is happening, I don't know about the things that are happening to me. I don't even know these things are possible. Like I didn't, I didn't know about uh, hepatic encephalopathy and I didn't know that, you know, I thought you just like went to cirrhosis and, and, and all of these things. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know that you could slowly fucking shut your, your liver down in a, in just such a, a painful fucking torturous process the way I was doing, you know, yeah, it was fucked up. <laughs> well, uh, yes, it was fucked up, Mike. There's no other way to put it. And so this is when you, then, you know, you got to a point where the next thing, you know, like you said, 2019, you're waking up from a coma. You know, they woke up from a coma and that was, you know, when you asked my, my changing point, which I've had a lot of struggles since that changing point, but my, my life altering mode was like <clears throat> that coma, that, that, that sleep I had waking up, man, just, it, 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 it gave me new eyes, you know, like uh, towards life. It gave me a new uh, appreciation. I, it, I felt like I had died, man. Like, you know, I felt, I felt like if I was in my coma going through all of these different experiences, I, I felt like I was trapped in a place that I wasn't coming out of, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, when I came out of it, the feeling, you know, I say this all the time. It was like being reborn. It was like I, I was, I was conscious of having been in this other place while asleep. And then, being being given another chance to come back into this place and when i woke up and i put everything together it was just like the most magical rebirth man it was it was such a gift it 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 was fucking you know everything it's like a moment that i i hold on to today that's like a, a pusher for me you know yeah do you think for you it was um I always thought it'd be horseshit where they they talked about in the in the a big book a, a spiritual awakening. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> okay, uh, if there is a god out, this was my thinking then. If there is a god out there, and and I believe that there is, but he sure doesn't. He it sure doesn't love me or have a purpose for me. It, it was, it was a hundred percent of spiritual <clears throat> awakening, awakening. It was, it, I woke up feeling like, you know, I, I, I got to spend time with this higher power. This, this, I had time to process what happened to me. And I felt like, I felt like when I woke up, in my spiritual awakening, like that I I had received like just love and compassion, no matter, no matter what I had just fucking went through, which was like, I felt forgiven. I felt, I felt a weight lifted up off of me. I felt like that was all in the past. That was done. None of that was with me anymore. That's how I felt when I, when I woke up, there I am, 270 pounds, and I feel lighter than I ever have in my entire life on good, that bed. Good God, you got yourself up to 270? 
Yeah. <clears throat> My God. Yeah. That was from bloating, you know, right. in, the, in the hospital and all that shit. You know, not no fluids going out of me. Fucking yeah, two seventy, man. Good God, man. I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah. How could you not? I'm, you know, just you sharing that. I, I, how could you not see that as a, a spiritual moment, a gift? How long were you under, if I can ask? Uh, a little over three weeks. I was asleep. Wow. Yeah, uh, for long. Yeah, so it's probably you know that I'm I'm guessing you know the I mean doctors are smart. You, you, so you you're undergoing through the, the the your body DTing, I guess, in a certain aspect. And holy shit, Mike! Well, I'm glad that you're here for one, and you know, Thank you. and hearing that kind of uh, restores not a restore wrong word solidifies more of my faith that there is something greater than us. You know, we call it a higher power, whatever you want to call it. Um, God got the damn chills, man. So, Hey, we come out of the coma. What, what, what's next? What's after that? I mean, I'm guessing at this point, kids are with their mom and you know, there's probably some troubles that come because <laughs> once we get sober, doesn't mean problems go away. Yeah, man. <clears throat> what what came next was uh, I got sent home to recover at home because uh, COVID had just landed. This is walking into 2020, late January. And they were like, you got to recover at home or else you, if you get COVID, you, if the odds are you'll pass away with your immune system and everything. So was uh was months of like recovery, learning how to walk again. Um all of that fun, good stuff, take care of myself, you know, um, being asleep that long, like uh, I, I couldn't walk for a while. And just I, the, the procedures and things that were performed on me um, was just a lot of healing. But then, like you said, you know, it was a lot of life struggles, still had to figure out the separation that I just went down for, you know, it was like, oh, hey. <laughs> shit man fucking wake up from a coma and everything i was dealing with still here this is some shit and <laughs> let's figure it out and let's just try to do this a different way <laughs> and uh it uh it things started to work out better with me sober at that time like it, it, recovering and healing i was able to uh figure out things with the mother uh the mother of my kids um i still had i still had my kids she she had uh, figured her things out and went her way. My kids were such a big part of my recovery. They 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 were with me. This was they were home uh, being homeschooled because of COVID, and I was doing all of that with them at home while while recovering. Um, and through through that time, after like three four months, was was like I had lost all the weight. My eyes were white. Um, you know, the, do the doctors, I kept telling me like, listen, man, like if you live, if your, if your liver doesn't give out because we believe you're going to need a transplant, if all of these good things happen, it's going to take a couple of years for like two, three years for your eyes to completely clear up and all of these things. And it's like three and a half months. And I, I was like fresh. I was like, holy shit, man, I'm fucking rejuvenated. You know, and my liver's working again. My it, it's it's back to full function, 
and um, I felt like I had everything in order again. Right. Okay. I felt like I had everything in order again. I had just spent four months, almost four months inside of the house with my kids getting better and started to, to go back into this cuckoo game in, in my head uh, of, of approaching life now with this second chance in a different perspective. And at that time, I'm like getting back into the dating scene and going back into, into uh, doing things socially and going out. And um, when, my, when my doctor had told me that my liver was, was back to normal function, I still had this feeling that I held on to that like, I don't know what's going to happen with me long-term mm-hmm. with this situation. You know, my liver isn't working normal function, but what is, what does that really fully, fully mean? You know, uh, I, I felt like my odds, even though my, my liver was back at normal function, my odds were, were still against me from everything that had just happened. I was pretty traumatized from the experience I had. And even though, I I looked better and I felt better. I still had this like lingering death following me feeling. And I I wanted to like meet girls again and go have a good time and like build my confidence up. And I did. And I did like a little, almost like a little bucket list trip with my friend and went out, went out partying and I drank again. And, um, dabbled in that shit for like two months Mm. i was out in florida going to different clubs and parties and stuff because new york and jersey were all shut down and um my mentality was like sorry i just spent so much fucking time upset and so fucking sad and all this other shit. And then I got to feeling so great after recovering and feeling sober. I was like, I, 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 again, I felt like I didn't know how to manage what was coming at me, you know, which was going back into social life, yeah. you know, as a, as a single, as a single dad now. Yeah. Oh, dude, dating sober <laughs> as a single parent sucks. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, the worst, man. And, you know, it's like, and of course, me as a people pleaser, I'd be like, they're like, oh, are you fine if I have something to drink? Oh, yeah, of course. No, no, I wasn't. I was not fine. Uh-uh. It was the worst shit because guess what? If I didn't drink in front of you, I, I went home and then hid the fact that I did, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah. God, what, what, you know? So like my last relapse, which will be, uh, I'll be two years on uh, February 15th was just like, I got to learn freaking boundaries. I got to learn boundaries. And, and with myself, like, no, I cannot date anyone that drinks or uses, uh, you know, I am not here to be uh, snorted either. Like I'm not your solution in life. Like it, I had to learn all these things about myself that I wasn't willing to accept. Cause I'm like you, I like, I like being social with people. You know, 
I liked sitting there bullshitting and talking, especially when I'd have one or two or three or four or five or more women's attention, you know, talking. So I was like, uh, I had to check my fucking ego at the door. Yeah, man. And, and, and same with me, I guess that I very, very, very much felt like that, you know, I, 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 in that same scenario, I was like a people pleaser, but I think in that moment, man, when when I when I was dating, which was after like a the little hurrah I had in Florida, I want to say like I really felt like I like I I I knew what I was doing was incredibly dangerous, you know. This is very like I I, I was just asleep four months earlier for almost a month and now I'm out in a fucking massive hotel party you know, fucking popping bottles of champagne and, 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 and acting a fool. And that shit would hit me sometimes, you know, like what the fuck? And I, I, and I knew what I was doing was dangerous. I knew it was, was fucked up, but I felt like at that time it was, it was what I needed to get whatever the fuck out of me that I needed to get out of me. I don't know what it was or, or learn what I needed to learn is a, is a better, better way to, to explain it because I didn't, I didn't know how to kind of face the, the social life with, without drinking. And, um, it, it ran around circles for a fucking minute. And then there was a, there was a night that I was sick. That night was was a, was a was a fucking scary night. There was a night that I was sick. I had just spent like fucking three days straight in New York City, having a fucking great time and feeling like a fucking asshole. And I got home, and then I start puking all over the place. And when I start puking all over the place, I was like, Nah, I can't do this again, man. I can't fucking go down. You know, I. It, it was like a a flashback of just everything that I went through. You know, I, I was I was in the bathroom with the door closed, crying and shit, and and fucking breaking down. Like, what the fuck are you doing all over again? You fucking got away with with fucking death, and here you are. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I I I was very very uh upset with myself and that shit and that sat with me for a little bit um i ended up in the next couple of weeks meeting somebody that that was like a positive influence in my life and that person didn't drink it was like kind of the first person i would say that was it, involved in my life that didn't <clears throat> that didn't drink that i could hang with mm-hmm and I was like, okay, fucking cool. This is different. And it was like a saving grace at the right time in, in, in my life. Cause I needed it. I, I needed a friend. I needed someone who, uh, didn't fucking drink and could be supportive and all of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I was given with that was the opportunity like to, to start learning new ways to cope, you know, like, uh, 
this person I was in a relationship with, I'm not with them no more, but I started to do things with them like fucking read and, and, and go for these like nature walks, looking for fucking sunrises and sunsets that like just kind of fulfilling whatever my imagination could, could fucking come up with that didn't involve alcohol. Cause it, it was nice to have a friend to fucking go ride out and do it with, you know? And it was like, it didn't seem so hard. It didn't mm. seem so scary either, you know? Yeah. No, I do, man. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm there now, you know, like having an actual, I never thought I'd have an actual partner. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. Like to be in a relationship where, you know, for me, I always thought it, you know, like as a man, like that tough thing to open up. And, you know, if I do that, then even then she's going to think that I'm a pussy and, you know, all these things. And, and like, if, if I go, I'm like, man, I had a tough day or, or I I'm at the point, like, I don't think about drinking as a solution, but I will still have some of those flashback thoughts and they're really uncomfortable. And, you know, and I'm like, I can share it and it's, it's protected, it's nurtured. And, you know, the weird shit about me is as well. Like, you know, I'm a 44 year old that if I had spare money for myself, I'd be going to buy another star Wars Lego set tonight. You know, I mean, I'm just uh, like, like to have that person that, that digs it. And it's like, no, it's like, it's cool to see you, you know, enjoy you like life, like simple joy, you know, yep. um, that I never thought I would have. I thought I would have to be altered, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, man. That's that's what I started to get that too. And that that was really nice. It was it was refreshing. It was um again, I I, I felt like coming out of this alcohol thing where I was just having problems again. I'm like feeling like I'm finding myself there. And then I get in this and I'm like, man, this is where it's at. I'm finding myself here. Here's really where I'm like finding some shit. And, and, and as I, I through throughout the time, I guess in healing sober, and this is just how I feel about myself, you know, and looking back in, in the times that I, I had my, my crazy shit going on, I just always felt and feel now like a great appreciation for, for, the, for those times, you know, it, it, I don't look back and say, I wish I didn't like, no, I, I'm, I'm happy it happened that way. And I'm happy that it worked out that way. I have a very, very um, particular perspective towards the healing I'm going through and towards alcohol because of these things that happen. And, and as much as they, they suck and they do set me backwards when, when, when getting through it with the clarity and perspective I have today, it's like, it shifts me 10 steps forward, even though it brought me however many steps back, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, the, the relationship um, and the person that I was with, uh, didn't last, but a lot of things that I was able to learn, a lot of things that I was able to take from that, it's like I carry with, you know, I, ca I kept on reading. I kept on um, enjoying myself like a kid, like sitting at the fucking park or going for walks or hikes. Like 
I just very much in, in indulge in a lot of the stuff that, that I learned. And even though it was very hard to apply all of that to my individual life and doing it alone, um, it, it, it stuck with me. And it's just a lot of, uh, I've been using those things to, to help get me, help get me by still to this day, you know? Yeah. Well, and you share it, you know, uh, if, uh, whoever's, you know, someone, if you're watching, listening, whatever it is, you know, Mike's social links are in the podcast description there. And, uh, you know, you drop some stuff from time to time that, Hey, it just, it helps me, man, you know, being vulnerable and honest and open. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, I try to tell people and I had this discussion, matter of fact, last night that like being vulnerable and open doesn't kill your masculinity. Burying all that shit down is going to kill it and make you an asshole at the same time. You, you know, it's good to be open with these feelings because I don't know about you. I don't want to rage anymore. I don't want to go like just be angry all the time. There's still things that make me angry, of course, but I don't want to sit in that constantly. You know, I don't want to bottle it up. I don't want to be this thing that's seen, not heard, or not even seen in some instances. You know, I, I can't live life that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and here at knocking doors down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity you know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. And you're right. Be, being vulnerable doesn't make you any less anything. I, I'll tell you what, for me, it makes me more powerful, man. It makes me, it makes me feel stronger. It, it makes me feel like I've let out. Like when I, when I want to fucking cry, I cry and I fucking, I feel better afterwards. I, I, I got rid of this shit. You know, I, I, I got it out of me. And not only did I get it out of me, now I'm fucking, I'm empowered by the fact that I got it out of me. I feel, I feel lighter you know, lighter and I'm not carrying, I feel, I feel lighter, like as, as if I took something, but I'm not carrying the regret of taking something, Right. you know, I'm fucking processing this shit. I'm feeling it. I'm fucking letting it pass through me. And that's a major part of what helps me want to stay sober is putting, facing all my shit like being transparent and facing my shit allows me to sit with myself no matter how much shit it is. Right. If, if I start to tuck stuff away, I start to feel resentment again. I start to feel like my, 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 my experience was so, my spiritual experience was, was so intense. I don't live in a, in a fucking way. Like, Oh, no one's watching. Nah, fucking fuck out of here fucking universe is watching there's a lot of fucking watching and i'm living my life with the best intentions that i can you know and i'm trying to be in the best um state of mind that i could be in and i found that facing my past demons and and the demons i face today and and by not being scared 
to have to tuck them away has allowed me to feel powerful in that. You know, it, it it's just it, it it it's just always there as my push to keep going forward. I'm not putting anything away because you know when um when when I just I had I had surgery I had diverticulitis over the summer and before that I lost my uncle and I went out one night and I knew I was gonna have a drink I knew I was gonna go out one night have a drink I was mad I was very pissed off and it was a shitty night I had my cell phone stolen crappy night woke up the next day and was mad at myself for a little bit, but gave myself mercy, man. Gave myself grace, like put myself back on, on track in the aspect of like, I just knew at that, at that time, if I would have held maybe that shit, I don't know. But for me, if I would have held that shit, I don't know what would have went bigger at that time. Like for me, sometimes I go by, by my instincts. And it's worked so far. It doesn't mean that it always will, right? Like, it's always a gamble when you fuck around and go do that. It's always always a big gamble. But leading lead in from that time, that was the last time that I, that I had a drink. And after this past surgery and facing the fact also that my diverticulitis was, was definitely a big, uh, heavily influenced from my alcohol abuse, um, how horrible I felt having part of my fucking colon removed. I'm like, man, I, I, how much longer am I going to keep pushing my body, especially my body? I've pushed it to some extreme limits. And um, I was humbled by it. You know, I was humbled by it. And back back on my thing, you know, working on this daily and, and, and I guess finding, finding my peace and in, in my transparency, man, because... Yeah. It, if I don't have anything in my closet, it just, even though I might be in a bed full of fucking demons, they're not hiding in my closet. I'm facing them, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's a uh, well put, well put. Are you working a program at all? You ever work with a sponsor? You ever give it a shot? Um, I haven't done a program. I've done a couple of a, a meetings, um, online, but I've been doing therapy uh for almost two years Mm. and it's it's been very very beneficial because it's it's where as transparent as i am on on social media you know there's there's shit i don't put out there too and and with my therapist i can lay all that shit out there and work with him on a plan of how i can use some of the new tools i've used like learn to cope and not lose my shit in dealing with these things. And, and even though it might sound cliche, like when I am honest with my therapist, I feel like lighter, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not the, the world might not know. Everybody might not know, but I'm facing this shit. And, uh, it, it, it feels, it feels good in, in that aspect. And, it's still, it's still tough. It's, it's still tough, especially for me. One of my biggest things that I still uh, think I'll face in, in, in the future are, you know, social things and, and 
uh, dating and, and boundaries, boundaries. I suck at boundaries. You know, if you've been learning them and you're somewhere <laughs> safe, I'm like at the fucking starting line. I'm fucking, uh, uh. I can't, I, I, I don't, I can't say no to anything almost, you know? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to drop you my phone number. We'll do some talking about boundaries, man. And uh, and I got someone I'm going to introduce you to, maybe help you too. That's. I wish I was out there. I wish we were in the same place, man. We, we You'd be the kind of person I'd want to get together with. But, uh, hey, boundaries are a motherfucker, but you're going to get them. I promise. I promise. I, I, I hope so, man. And with with learning boundaries, I've, I've been trying to, I guess, surround myself more with, with people, like-minded people. It's hard to find out here. It's fucking hard as hell to find out here. Sure. To, like it's, it, I'm sure it's hard to find everywhere, but it, it, it feels hard for me to find out here. But especially considering the fact, like, like we spoke, I, I, I've, I've never taken initiatives to really go to like programs or, or kind of dabble in local things like that. But online, I've, re- I've received a lot of support from the sober community, man. Like so much, like so much support. It, it, it so much. So it, it, I feel like I have just an enormous amount of friends and love and support from from people that I haven't met physically, but feels like I, I've, I'm 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 fucking friends with. Like I'm sure I'm gonna feel with you after after yeah. getting off today. You know, it's it's crazy. Well, there is a saying you may not have heard it before. They say the uh, the opposite of addiction isn't recovery; it's community. And when you start to get that sense that 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 belonging that you know. Because I mean, hell, there's not an addict in any form. I don't care if it's sex, pornography, the you know, whatever drug, alcohol, you go within yourself and you just withdraw from everything. And so when you start to get that community and and that stuff going on, where it's you know, you sometimes I'm hitting people. I'm kind of more that guy. I hit people up doing the check-in, but. I'll get some every now and then from people like, you know, Hey, how's it going or whatever, but it is, man, it's a trip. It's a trip. And like you said, the, the negative things you do, that's like energy out in the world, but you doing the positive things. It's, it's touching and affecting people in ways that you don't even know. So I, I'm going to introduce you to someone though, uh, that I want you to meet. I believe he's still in Jersey. So anyways, all right, Mike, we're going to switch modes to, to some fun shit now. All right. <laughs> cool, bro. <laughs> All right, some some random questions here. Let's go. If uh, if let's say you write a book since you love reading, and it would be a hell of a story, uh, but they make it into a movie or a TV show, who would you want to play you as an adult? Charlie Sheen. hundred <laughs> percent. He wants someone with experience, huh? Hell yeah, Charlie Sheen, yo. Uh, Hey, I, you know what? As someone that's uh, uh, interviewed him twice, I got to agree. I, I like, Charlie, go ahead and play me. Uh, I don't look like you. doesn't matter. <laughs> Tell my story. Uh, shit, howdy. All right. Uh, you're on a deserted island. You have uh, one movie with you and one greatest hits uh, from a music artist or act. What are they? Uh, the music, greatest hits. I'm going to take Tupac, All Eyes on Me. I, I think they're like, uh, he had a greatest hits album. I don't yeah. remember. 
Uh, I take a Tupac Greatest Hits album and the movie uh, Natural Born Killers. All right. So uh, you got you can have dinner with any one person, uh, living or not. Who are they? My cousin, Mark. That passed away. Close, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That the, yep. Did you get in trouble with them too when you when you were uh, young? Or? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like brothers, man. We did, you know, uh, we did everything, everything yeah. together. You know. Yeah. Oh, right on. Uh, let me think of one more good one here. It, uh, my, it's getting late. My brain. I'm, I'm amazed you're still awake. I'm like an old dude, man. I'm 44. Uh, like the sun's down. I'm like, ew. <laughs> well, Red Bull, man. It's my fucking third one today. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, if, I, on, if I don't shut my body down with alcohol, it's fucking this shit, man. I got to fucking get to something different, something healthier. Yeah, you got to work on that habit. What's uh, one thing people would uh, be surprised to learn about you? Maybe something you haven't dropped on your social media or don't talk about? Uh, uh, music. I play the piano and, uh, you know, uh, music production. I haven't done it in years, but it. it, it and I still play the piano time from time, but uh, music, I, I'm a music lover. I guess people know I love music, but, um, you know, I love to make music as well. And I'll probably d- get back dabbling in it um, in the future for fun, you know, so see what happens. Man, you got that music thing down. I mean, you just go to a place where there's a piano. The women will come up and talk to you then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just throw a couple little, you know, whatever down. I'm That's telling good. you, you know, my son, my kids are taking music lessons. I told my son that he was working for a while on a, a Fur Least Beethoven song, which because it's my favorite Beethoven. I'm like, oh, boy, the girls are going to come up and talk to you. Dad, you know, I yeah. don't care about that. All right, whatever. I'll back the hell off, man. He, he, will, he will. It'll be a nice trick when he's when he's older and be like, yeah, let me play that one song fucking girls will love that shit <laughs> it'll work uh mike i like to leave the guests with uh, the final words uh that's very uh you know the final thoughts who was that that did that the jerry springer had the shitty show right and then he would leave them with the final thoughts it was actually a beautiful thing um but uh anyways man if you you know anyone that's just uh out there struggling maybe it's not even with with an addiction substance abuse but just in general what might you drop to them uh, that um you're not you know you're not you're not alone man it's it's we're all going through it all of us even even the people with that biggest smiles on their face every day we're all going through it we're, we were all put here you know to experience life and we're all going through heavy shit. To me, it's not, no one's going through any more or any less. We're all going through it. Nobody's alone. And and what you said to me earlier about, I think you said opposite of addiction is a, a community. You know, that, 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 that sat really, that stuck in my head. And, and if we look at the human race like that, and we all look at each other and, and, and really understand we're all going through it. And, and and we're not alone. We don't need to hold shit in because I feel like that that was what almost killed me was I felt like I was alone. I felt like I I, I was alone in this. I couldn't, nobody could save me. Nobody could get me out. And, you know, 
there's people out there going through the same shit, if not the same shit, just as heavy shit. And there's love out there to fix it. You know, there's, there's support and love and compassion that, that I believe can heal anything. Um, don't give up. You're not alone. You know, reach out. Don't be like me. I didn't reach out and I was very, very fortunate to have woken up. Most people don't wake up in my, in my situation that I was in. So that, that would be my final thought. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knockin' Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.